So I've mentioned doing solo episodes before, and the time has come for a solo episode. The goal with these is to take the most common questions that I get from friends, family, and whoever else. If there's any sort of common theme, just sort of boil it all down and turn it into an episode. And a combination of that, and then also if there's an area where I feel like there's a lot of misinformation, and there's two criteria under that misinformation. One, it has to be an area that I know a little something about. And two, it has to be an area where there's no need for misinformation, where uh, you know the science and experience is clear, and the misinformation comes generally from people trying to sell something. I've mentioned this before. I'm not ever going to try to speak on something that I don't know anything about or that I don't feel confident that I could stand toe-to-toe with someone who would want to challenge my point of view on, anyone who would want to challenge my point of view on. And so my lane that I'm going to offer is going to be probably narrow. Things that are health-related, performance, nutrition, sleep, and, you know, of course, my goal is to bring on people who can talk at a much higher level than I can on these topics as well. But somewhere where I think there is probably, if there was a world record for misinformation and system selling from people on the internet and snake oil selling to this category, it would be fat loss. And the amount of questions that I've gotten over the years about fat loss, you know, hey, what do you think of so-and-so's strategy? Or, hey, what about intermittent fasting? Or what about um, the blood type diet for fat loss? What The list goes on. And though there's still so much that we have to learn about the human body, we've really not even scratched the surface. Fat loss comes down to principles of thermodynamics that are unchanging. And There does not need to be confusion here, but there is because as it turns out, selling a system that says, hey, you kind of have to be a little bit disciplined and it might be a little bit difficult and you can't just wave a magic wand from a $39 influencer program that you bought online and drink skinny tea and become super lean. It just doesn't work that way. That doesn't sell very well as a system. But one thing that does sell very well is, hey, there's two types of foods that will boost your testosterone and make you lose fat up to 10 times faster and turn you into a fat-burning machine. That sells. Unfortunately, that's just not true. And so my goal with this episode is for this to be the last episode you would ever need to listen to in terms of fat loss. That's a bold statement. But I'm going to try to make this as structured as possible and and very tactile, very like there will probably come a point where I'll say, okay, if this is you pull out your phone right now, download this app, you know, and I'm, I'm going to get very specific to where you can listen to this no matter who you are and follow what's being said on here and in, and learn exactly what you need to do to be at the weight gain or loss result that you want to be at. I'm going to dispel a few myths. I'm going to give some strategy like I mentioned, but most importantly, I want to do a good job of communicating the mechanism of fat loss and fat gain. Because once you have that foundational understanding, you don't 
you won't be swayed by any of these skinny tea diets or anything like that. It's it's sort of like the example that you hear of, you know, if you want to learn counterfeit money, you don't study every single option of a counterfeit dollar. You just study what the real dollar looks like and you can spot differences. That's my goal with this podcast. I want if you're listening and you care about this type of thing, I want you to understand the perfect dollar bill of fat loss to where you can move on in life and no matter what anybody says about keto diet or vegan diet or skinny tea systems, you can understand the principles of fat loss and learn how to adapt whatever nutrition plan it is that works for you into those principles. So format for this podcast Granted, this is my first solo episode, so I'm going to do my best to keep it structured and not just ramble for an hour or however long this takes, but no promises, unfortunately. But first, I'm just going to set the stage briefly for what fat loss is, what conditions lead to fat loss or fat gain. Then I'm going to go into, okay, well, what does that mean for you? How do you know whether you're a five foot four female that's 132 pounds or you're a six foot four, 236 pound unit training at a high intensity as an athlete. How do you know what that means for you? How do you create the conditions for fat loss? And then I'm going to dispel a few myths likely around the world of fat loss, probably the most common ones. And then I'm going to get into a little bit of what I think maybe you should eat because You know, calories are one thing, but calories are obviously composed of food, different macronutrients that have different micronutrient profiles. So within the world of calories, what do you eat? And that's where most of the debate comes in. And it's also a loaded question. I will get to later in this episode where, yes, if 2,500 calories a day is your maintenance calories, which I will get into, you could eat 2,500 calories of Oreos every single day, nothing but Oreos, and not gain any weight. Would I recommend that? No, but more on that later. So let's start with setting the stage for the conditions of fat loss. And to do that, it's important to just understand what calories are to begin with. So calories are just energy. And we as human beings require energy to, well, do everything that we do throughout the day. So move, wash dishes, you know, walk and carry the groceries to your house. Obviously, we need energy to do high performance activities like going to the gym and surfing and all that. But the body also requires energy just to keep functioning. Things that you aren't even voluntarily aware of, maintaining body temperature, things like that. So let's start let's start there and picture yourself in a coma. Even though you're not moving at all, your body still requires a certain amount of energy to keep functioning again, maintain your body temperature, and keep the systems moving. That energy is going to vary from person to person. Um, But let's say for a five foot seven, 130 pound female, maybe it's 1200 calories or a thousand calories, somewhere around that. We'll just use a thousand for a round number. So, that five, seven hundred thirty pound female that needs a thousand calories a day just to keep the body moving, even though she is not walking about her daily life, let alone training. Well, once she wakes up, thank God, 
and begins to do things like fidget, you know, type on her computer, even though that's a very low level activity, it's still moving around. Um, she starts training, she starts surfing. I use that example a lot, apparently. Um, now her body's expending more energy and she's going to require more calories to maintain her body weight. So when she was at a coma, if she was being provided a thousand calories a day of energy, she wouldn't gain weight or lose weight. She would just stay exactly at 130 pounds. And she's in a coma. If they started giving her 13, 1400 calories a day, she's going to start putting on some weight, but now she's out of the coma. This is becoming morbid. Um, I'm going to get, I'm going to get past the coma thing pretty quickly here. Um, she's out of the coma. (laughs) Thank God. And she's now moving around. So now maybe her maintenance calories are somewhere around 1500. So where does that 1500 number come from for her or for anyone else? How do you know where your energy requirements come from? How many calories should you eat per day? We're just going to refer to that as maintenance calories. So the amount that you could eat per day to not gain or lose weight. And then you can work from there based on your goals. So what, what affects your maintenance calories? There's a few things. First is going to be height and weight. So this is going to be pretty obvious, but larger people will generally require more calories. It's just more mass that has to be accounted for from an energy standpoint. So, you know, a 6'10", 330-pound dude is going to require more calories than a 5'2", 105-pound female just to you know, there's more muscle mass, there's there's more weight to fuel. So height and weight is one. Gender's an, another one. Men generally require more calories than women do to maintain weight. Of course, there's outliers, people like Steffi Cohen. Um, she's probably has a higher maintenance calorie requirement than a good amount of dudes out there. She's an outlier. Uh, but for, for the most part, on the whole, men are going to require more calories. So we've got height, we've got weight, We've got gender. If you follow me on Instagram, you will have seen I made a comment about age because this is another one that's supposed to play a role. I almost don't even factor it in because it plays such an insignificant role. Your metabolism does not shrink very much as you get older. From the age of 20 to the age of 50, there's not that much that changes. So when people say, I can't eat the way I did when I was younger, generally they're just not moving the way they were when they were younger and or they forget exactly how they were eating. You're not going to go from, man, I could eat 10,000 calories when I was in college, you know, a day to now I'm gaining fat at 1500. It just doesn't happen like that. And it's not even on a scale of a thousand calories a day difference. There may be a hundred or 200 calories per day difference potentially. So I'm going to skip right over age here and go to the next one, which would be muscle mass. So Muscle mass is what we call metabolically active tissue. Um, So it it requires a bit, it's pretty costly for the body from an energy standpoint to maintain. Um, So, you know, if you take two identical human beings, same height, same weight, age, gender, the whole thing, you know, but one of them is 200 pounds at 8% body fat and the other one's 200 pounds at 25% body fat, there's very likely going to be a difference in how many calories the, the leaner person can eat. Um, they'll just, they'll need more calories because that muscle tissues requires more energy than just extra pounds of fat. So there we go. We've got your height, your weight, your gender, your muscle mass, all of these playing into how many 
calories per day your body would require to maintain your weight. You might be thinking that I'm leaving out the most important one, which would be activity level. Technically, it's not the most important, but it is a major factor. And the reason why I left that out to begin with is activity level is something that fluctuates from day to day. You could sit completely on a chair one day and you could be doing an Ironman the next day. So that that that's not gonna play into your just resting energy expenditure. So I'm gonna come back to activity level in a second, but I just wanna highlight. So now you, you sort of understand, okay, calories are energy. My body requires energy to keep everything moving, body temperature, to perform tasks, to train, which I guess I said I'll come back to, and there I am talking about training. So it requires energy, and these are the things that play into how much energy my body would require in a day. And that word require is interesting because most everybody can listening can probably remember a time that maybe because you were super busy, you were traveling, maybe you were sick, you may have gone a whole day without eating. So maybe a, a full 24-hour cycle without eating any food, or maybe you had some chicken noodle soup that somebody made you that was all of 130 calories, and you woke up the next day, you weren't dead, life's good. So even though that energy was required, otherwise you die, you didn't die, where did that energy come from? Most people are probably well ahead of this already, but that energy came from, for the most part, your stored body fat. So that is fat loss 101, the most fundamental principle of fat loss, a law of thermodynamics that up until this point, not a single human being has been able to defy. Um, so this is why it's incredibly frustrating that there are people out there selling systems that seem to try to circumvent this law of thermodynamics, but the body is pretty intelligent and it will find energy where it can find it. And it's pretty efficient at pulling it from fat stores. It's efficient at storing fat for energy use later down the road, and it's efficient at pulling fat stores. So it will pull from muscle from time to time. It's unavoidable, but th that percentage is so small that for the most part, provided you set the right conditions, with how you eat, your body will pull primarily from fat and very, very minimally from muscle during an extensive weight loss routine. So I wanna to toggle in and out of learning and then into application. So right now I'm gonna go straight to application. If you're listening and you're on your phone or you're in front of a computer, Google Calorie Calculator. Click on the first one called calculator.net and it'll give you a few options to enter in your height, your gender, your weight, your age, and all that. It's gonna give you an opportunity to enter in your activity level. Just for the purpose of this, select sedentary. It might be listed as little or no exercise and not sedentary, uh, but they both mean the same thing. So I'm doing this right now, age 29, gender male, height six feet three inches, weight about 217 pounds. So this number is gonna give you a good starting point if you fill this out. And the reason why I say not to select the different exercise options. So there's gonna be an option that says, I exercise one to three times a week, four to six times a week, because that's just so generic. It, it takes that, it doesn't even know what exercise you're doing. And it takes that information and just contributes an arbitrary amount of calories to that. 
So it'll say, okay, if you exercise one to three times a week, then you burn an extra 200 calories a day that they're, they're doing their best, but it's, it's a faulty way of going about it. So select little or no exercise. Now this gives you an idea. This gives you a starting point. It'll say, this is how many calories you need to maintain your weight. And this is how many calories you need to lose your weight or to gain weight. So for me, it's telling me I need about 2,466 calories per day to maintain my body weight. And if you're wondering, well, what's the accuracy of this thing? It doesn't know me. Um, it's just an internet program. To be honest, I've done, you can actually do a resting energy expenditure assessment. You pay some money to go breathe into a machine and it's calculates, you know, how much energy you're burning at rest. This thing is pretty spot on. Um, and I've heard the same thing from other people as well. And beyond that, this is just a starting point. And I'll come back to that in a little bit. But we have the foundation now. We understand calories are energy. Our body requires energy. We understand the things that dictate how much energy our body requires, at least without any direct intentional exercise. So now we can work into that, which is the last component, which is activity beyond just your normal day-to-day -day things. Now, for some people, your normal day-to-day -day activity might be extremely high due to your job. So if you work, uh, if you're if you do anything in manual labor, if you're on your feet, you know, I know there are some, I've talked to a couple of buddies who are waiters who would, you know, track their steps throughout the day and they're walking, you know, upwards of seven miles a day as a waiter. So your job can actually be pretty physically or calorically expensive and increase the amount of calories you would need per day. So you could start to think about that. Is is your lifestyle, what's your lifestyle like? Because that'll play a role. But provided you just live a normal life and you exercise when you exercise, now you can start to work forward and say, okay, this is sort of the last layer that plays into how many calories I require in a day. And I don't want to spend too much time, believe it or not, on activity and burning calories through activity because these things can be difficult to predict, you know, unless you're on a treadmill or, or a machine that's giving you a calorie output based on your weight. And even that is, is a guess. Um, it's tough to predict and unrealistic to try to monitor your entire day all the time, every little thing you do and see what, you know, how it all adds up and, you know, okay, I think I burned 482 calories in exercise today, that, that means I can eat X amount more. That's just, the goal is to try to simplify this and streamline things down. So the best way to approach this is to look at that number that you found on the sedentary or little to no exercise, then sort of toggle through and think about your lifestyle. Are you on your feet a lot? Are you in manual labor? How many days a week are you doing that? Are you doing CrossFit four to five times a week? Are you, just sort of think about your life. Um, how tired are you at the end of the day? Are you someone who's like, you know, you get up, you surf for a couple hours, then you go train, usually walk a bunch throughout the day. Okay, then see what, what output there is if you select, you know, I exercise four to five times a week and just sort of learn, look at those few numbers. And to keep this really simple, based on your goals, just pick a number. So if it, you know, if you think you're, if you think you're, you know, on the moderately active side and it says you need 2,500 calories a day to maintain your weight, just work off that because the only thing that will actually tell you whether or not you're right is results. So you're going to pick a number to start and the scale 
if you have a scale at your house that you can weigh yourself on over time will tell you whether or not you're right or wrong. The computer doesn't matter. The resting energy expenditure test that you can pay money for doesn't matter. The only thing that matters is what happens on the scale and in the mirror because the scale isn't always the full story, which I'll get into as well. This doesn't need to be super complicated. Now you sort of have a number and this number will likely change over time. All you really need is a starting point. So based on kind of what you see when you toggle through the different options and what you think your lifestyle is like, it's not worth overthinking at all. You land on a number that you think you probably would need per day to maintain your body weight. So let's just for, for round numbers sake, say for me, it's about 3000 calories per day. So I know any more than that is likely going to be stored as body fat. So if I eat, you know, 3,300 calories a day, that'll start adding up some body fat. If I'm training right and eating the right amount of protein, it's some of it's going to go to muscle, but some of it will go to fat. If I eat any less than 3,000 calories a day, my body's obviously not going to die. I'm going to find that energy from somewhere. And generally my body's going to pull that energy from my body fat. So over time, I will lose more and more body fat. It's important to remember too that Fat loss doesn't just operate on this perfect, you know, 24 hour cycle. Um, so you can create, you could think of it as 3000 calories a day, or you could think of it as, you know, 21,000 calories per week. So, you know, 3000 times seven, and you can sort of make sure that your week falls in a way where you end up in a net deficit when it's all said and done. So maybe you, you eat more one day because you go out to dinner with your family, but you eat less the next day. So it doesn't have to be this perfectly rigid, okay, I'm going to go 500 less than 3,000 every single day, 2,500 forever. Um, for some people, that's easiest. For some people, it's not. I'm actually a big fan of fasting from time to time. So I could just skip an entire day or two of eating. And, you know, there's my, maybe if it's I fast for two days in a row, that's about 6,000 calories of energy. Um, this is generalizing a little bit, but about 6,000 calories of energy or fat that I've created a deficit on. So for me, I just enjoy that better. Sometimes fasting a day, if I'm on the road, if I know that I'm going to be in the car the whole day or on a plane, I will just make that day a fasting day. I don't, I'm probably not around my gym, my training center. I'm probably not boxing or doing jujitsu. So I don't really care to be a little bit lower on the energy end. Um, and that's just what works for me. So I just want to put that principle out there that it doesn't have to be this perfect structured every day is equal thing. You can create your, your weekly or monthly deficit, however works best for your lifestyle. I'm going to save fasting for probably its own episode, but I just wanted to put that thought out there at least. And I want to briefly touch on how to track your food because I did say that I wanted this to be the last fat loss podcast or video or anything you would ever need to listen to. And in order for me to do that, I need to touch on actually how to track your food. But I want to be extremely brief with this because I don't want this to turn into a two-hour episode. So here we go. Your 30-second deal on how to track your food. Get a food scale. Go on Google, search for food scale, find one at Walmart, Target, wherever you want to go, and learn how to measure your food. It's very simple. There's apps out there like MyFitnessPal that you can learn. You can even Google the calories in 
everyday food. Beef. Okay, um, it's 85% lean beef. How many calories are in four ounces? Look it up. Add it into your MyFitnessPal. White rice. It'll give you the, or, you know, potatoes. You could look up how many calories are in potatoes. It'll say there's 100 calories in 100 grams. Grams are weight. So you put your bowl or your plate on the scale. Then you add the food on top. You know how much you're eating. Very simple. Just learn how to use a food scale. That's all I'm going to say on that. And then learn how to enter that food if you want into a calorie calculator or something like that. So you have an idea of how much you're eating. This isn't something that needs to be completely take over your life. For me, I I don't need to do this anymore. Um, I've kind of know, I know exactly how much I'm eating because I've spent a good amount of time tracking foods. And so um, I kind of eat the same things from a day-to-day basis and I know how much I'm eating. And if I need to get more specific, I can always measure. But even if I had to measure everything I was eating, it, it wouldn't stress me out at all because it just becomes easy over time. So that's the lesson there. Get a food scale, learn how to use it, look up a YouTube video, boom, done. So now the good part, which is what do you eat? So we've figured out, you know, okay, I think I need to eat this much. If I eat more, it's going to probably store as body fat. If I eat less, it's going to pull from body fat. But what do I eat? You know, I mentioned early in this episode that if your maintenance calories are 2,500, you could eat 2,500 calories worth of straight up Oreos every day and not gain any fat. You could eat 2,000 worth, 2,000 calories worth of Oreos every day and actually lose body fat on an Oreo diet. I would never recommend that in a million years, but I just say that to illustrate that there is not a way to circumvent this law of thermodynamics and energy balance. And that's important. And I think this is where a lot of the snake oil comes in on the internet, where people start telling you that if you eat a vegan diet, that you can, you don't have to track your calories and you can eat whatever you want. Or if you eat a ketogenic diet, you know, no carbs, it's going to keep your insulin low and therefore you won't be able to store body fat. It The list goes on. And I'm going to I'm going to dispel some of the myths in a little bit, but first I just want to get into, you know, how you could approach fat loss as far as what to eat. So this is the discussion on macronutrients, which you may have heard the term, if it fits your macros, that's a very popular trend, I guess you could call it in the bodybuilding or fat loss space, which just means, you know, macronutrients are just what make up calories. So fats, protein, carbohydrates technically alcohol as well, but I'm just going to put that to the side for now. So we've got our macronutrients, protein, carbs, and fat. These are what make up the composition of the calories that you are eating. And again, alcohol is contains calories as well. Um, but for the purposes here, I'm going to stick with the main macronutrients that you're consuming on a daily basis. You don't necessarily need to remember this, but just something to think about or just remember protein contains four calories per gram, carbohydrates contain four calories per gram, and fats contain nine calories per gram. So if something's got five grams of protein, five times four is 20. So five grams of protein is going to be 20 calories. And then maybe it also has five grams of carbs. So there's another 20 calories. And let's say it has 10 grams of fat. So 10 times nine is 90. So 20 plus 20 is 40 plus 90. So that 
meal there has 130 calories, if my math is correct. And quick side note for you savants out there, I know that it's not precisely four, four, and nine, that there's a little bit of variance. But for the purposes of this, I'm just going to stick with four, four, and nine. So the easiest way to conceptualize how to go about approaching what to eat is to, to start with, okay, you've got your calories now. So we'll stick with me for an example. Um, so 3000 calories is my number right now based on my lifestyle and you know who I am. So now we go to protein first because protein is you could think of in, in the most simple terms, protein as a building block and then fats and carbohydrates as energy sources. Most people are used to hearing carbs as the energy source. And in a lot of cases, that's true. But both of these are energy substrates that our body can use as fuel. So I like to start with protein for many reasons. And one being there's a lot more flexibility with fats and carbohydrates. Uh, you could do well on a ketogenic diet with essentially no carbs, and you could do well on a higher carbohydrate diet as long as you're getting enough fat. Um, you know, there are essential fatty acids that you have to get in your diet, but for the most part, as long as you're not just eating chicken breast, you know, the super lean chicken breast, egg whites, and, you know, the leanest white fish ever with no fat and fat-free everything, you're probably going to get enough fat in, but you that is something to consider. You want to make sure to get enough fat in your diet. But with protein being the building block, it's a good place to start because we're also not trying to lose muscle. I don't really know of many people that would like to lose muscle. Um, we want to lose fat, and we've got essential amino acids. we got to get them in the diet anyways. There's many reasons why you want to start with protein. It helps keep you more full. It's very satiating. And everyone is pretty well familiar with the fact that protein consumption is pretty important for muscle retention or muscle building. So we start with protein. There's going to be some debate out there as far as how much protein is needed to function optimally. Some people will say about 0.7 grams per pound. So if you weigh 100 pounds, it would be 70 grams of protein per day. Some people say 0.8. Some people say one gram per pound. Um, the original RDA a long time ago was much, much lower than that. And just a side note, anytime you hear the term RDA, you should immediately question where that came from and why that number was sourced. And without going into a huge tangent, the RDA that was established a long time ago for adequate protein intake is a complete joke. How they came to that conclusion uh, was a joke and... It by no means describes what is needed to perform optimally. Uh, it just described in a very narrow lens how much would be needed to not suck. And that's not what we're chasing in life. So I'm going to completely ignore the old RDAs and stick with somewhere in the range that I initially mentioned, you know, somewhere from 0.7 to 1% gram per pound of body weight. So if you weigh 200 pounds, maybe that range is 160 to 200 grams of protein would be a good place to start. Now, I like driving protein much higher in cases where someone's appetite is out of control. So if you are someone who's very hungry, um, you can drive your protein higher because the more protein you intake, there's, there's a couple layers to this, but protein is the most satiating macronutrient. So you know, you could probably even just think about it intuitively. A, a big chicken breast, 
you know, a good size chicken breast or I'm not a, I'm not a big chicken guy. So I'm going to use a lean steak instead. We'll say like Trader Joe's 96% lean ground beef is 520 calories for an entire pound. So you could sit down and eat 16 ounces of lean beef for 500 calories. To put it into perspective, my wife, Giselle, could eat four pounds of that per day without gaining any body fat versus, you know, if you look at something that's very energy dense, like peanut butter, not very satiating or, or, uh, olive oil, you know, 120 calories for a tablespoon, very concentrated source of fat, zero protein, um, even carbohydrates. Look at like chips. You could easily power, you know, a thousand calories worth of chips just sitting there before your meal and not even be full. So you have a range that you can play with here as far as protein intake, you know, you could maybe start around the 0.6 or 0.7 pounds per gram and just work your way north from there. If you feel like you're a hungrier person, you're having a hard time regulating your appetite, or maybe you're cutting down weight a lot, drive the protein higher, but that's your starting point. So for me, let's go back for me, examples help me. So I'm just going to continue to use examples, hoping that it's helping whoever's listening. So we're back to me. I'm a 3000 calorie a day guy. And I weigh about 220 pounds, so we'll go a gram per pound of body weight. So 220 grams of protein a day is what I need. Well, if you remember earlier when I said a gram of protein has four calories, so 220 grams of protein has 880 calories. So of my 3,000 calories in a day, about 900 of them are going to come from protein. So I have the rest of my calories to sort of fill with carbs or fat or more protein if I want to. So we've got that established. Across most of, of the health space, there's pretty good agreement on this protein piece. Nothing too controversial up until this point. There's some, There are some weirdos that try to run from protein, which I'm just not even going to spend any time on. Um, but generally where the divide comes in the, in the health space is fats and carbs. Everyone is probably extremely fatigued at this point of of the roller coaster ride throughout the decades of, you know, one minute carbs are bad, the next minute they're good, one minute fat's bad, the next minute you're supposed to be eating a combination of peanut butter, coconut oil, olive oil, and butter rolled into a ball, and you, you eat that all day with some mayonnaise spread on top, and you are good to go. I've already made it clear, I think, that you can lose fat whether you do high carb or low carb, high fat, low fat. You just have to be in a net caloric deficit. That is a fact. Beyond that, there's an optimal way that you can approach how you eat. And there are things that you can do that make it easier on yourself and things that you can do that make it harder on yourself. So if this is going to be the last fat loss episode you ever need to listen to, then I need to touch on some of those things that make it easier. And in the world of fat, and carbs, there's really only a few ways that you can go wrong or make it harder on yourself. One of them is eating, you know, there's like the term empty calories. Calories that just, for one, they don't really offer much from a nutritional standpoint, but for two, they don't really fill you up. And things like chips and bread, and they tend to be carbohydrates. Um, that are just very easy to continue eating, those things will work against you. On the other side of the fence, certain fats 
can work against you. So if you've ever heard someone say, yeah, I did the keto diet and it didn't work, or I know someone who gained a bunch of weight on the keto diet. Anytime I've heard that from someone and I ask how they approach the keto diet, they did the whole fat chasing thing, which I'm just not a fan of. You, you Fat should come along naturally in the diet. If you're eating you know, meats and fish and eggs, um, fat just sort of comes along for the ride. But when you chase fats by thinking that you need to force add butter and raw milk and olive oil and coconut oil and mayonnaise and peanut butter to everything, calories add up really quick. If you, so I mentioned the food scale early in the episode, if you get some peanut butter, which I'm not a huge fan of, but if you got it in the house and you look on the back and it gives you the calories, it's going to say like, you know, 200 calories for a serving. It'll give you the serving in tablespoons, but it'll also give you the serving in grams. That's the best way to go because that's how you know it's actually accurate. Grams is by weight. So if you weigh that amount of peanut butter and you take a look at how little food, 200 calories worth of peanut butter is, it's like it makes you never want to eat it again because it doesn't fill you up at all. So that's just something to consider. If you're going to go the low carb route, then you don't need to chase fats. Let them come along with the eggs. There's fat in eggs. There's fat in salmon and mackerel. There's fat in red meat. Um, you know, there's fat that comes along for the ride. And then if you're going to include carbohydrates in your diet, just understand a few things. One, a lot of the times they're not going to fill you up the way you would want them to. So they're very easy to overconsume. And from a health standpoint, if you listen to some of my earlier episodes, one specifically with Chris Morris, Dr. Chris Morris, he talks about wearing a continuous glucose monitor, which is basically the equivalent of pricking your finger and testing your blood sugar, but this thing is continuously implanted into your shoulder, so it tracks your blood sugar 24-7. And if you listen to a lot of people that have, have worn these things, you'll see that certain carbs, especially in isolation, will cause pretty steep blood sugar rises that will stay there for a long time and then crash probably not the best for overall health energy levels and maintaining uh, a healthy appetite so not getting completely dysregulated and hungry all the time so that's just something to consider um, carbs a lot of times not as filling they can cause glucose swings if they're not paired with protein and fat and even if they are they still can a little bit so figure out what works for you within that space. I certainly have my opinion on, you know, the optimal diet and all of that, but I'm not going to impose my opinion on science and try to circumvent, again, laws of thermodynamics um, and profess that there's certain, that my way is the only way to lose body fat. So I'll probably get into some of what I think is optimal or close to optimal in a different episode, but I think I've covered the bases of protein and fat. And so now we understand, we know our calories, then we start with protein. Okay, we've got X amount of calories left. Let's fill those in with carbs and fats. As long as we understand fats are pretty dense with calories, if you chase them specifically, things like you know butter, oils, mayonnaise, ranch, all of that. So understand that 200 calories of ranch dressing is not going to get you very far in terms of hunger. And then carbs can be uh, very easy to overconsume. They can cause glucose swings and all that. So just factor those things in there and find what works best for you within your calorie balance. And so now 
I've covered the principles of fat loss and fat gain. I've covered how to figure out how to apply that to yourself, you know, how to measure food and then what specifically to eat. And now I really want to cover something that I know is going to come up. Um, and it's something that I hear all the time, which is, well, what about hormones and where the divide comes in, in the health space is you will have some people professing this idea that hormones are what is driving weight loss and weight gain. And the other side of the fence is saying, no, it's a calorie equation. Calories in calories out are all that matter. And both sides are right and both sides are wrong. And so if you remember earlier when I said I wanted to create sort of the foundation, um, like understanding the dollar bill of fat loss. And from there, you can sort of understand any manipulation from that foundation. And the hormone idea of fat loss. So maybe you've heard this, maybe you've been told this, maybe someone has told you, yeah, I'm gaining weight, but it's it's uh, my hormones are out of whack. And there can certainly be some truth to that, but hormones will not circumvent thermodynamics. I, I keep on coming back to this idea, but it's important to understand because, I, and I want to come at this from a, a message of hope um, and truth at the same time, because people will get this idea in their head that oh, their hormones are just telling the food and instructing the food that they eat to just store as body fat independent of anything else. And that is just not true at all. What hormones can do is affect the energy balance equation. So hormones can make you more tired. So you're less active. Therefore, you expend less calories in a day. Hormones can make you have appetite dysregulation, so you're just hungry all the time, and so you eat more. Hormones can slow down your resting energy expenditure a little bit, but that's where people tend to think, they tend to think my metabolism has just been slowed down, you know, 15 times over, and even if I sit here and just eat a salad once a day, I'm going to gain body fat, and that's just not true. So... It, it, that's just important to highlight because I know that this hormonal idea is going to come back into the equation. And I think there just needs to be some clarity there that the principles of fat loss still remain the same. Hormones can just affect uh, some of the outputs of those principles. Also, I'm pretty sure I'm going to need to record this separately at the beginning of this episode. But now that I'm hearing myself talk about hormones and all that on a public platform, I'm just going to throw this out there in the middle of the episode. Um, definitely not a doctor and <laughs> Andrew Huberman, uh, if you guys are, I've mentioned him before he's at Stanford and he's, he's says the same thing. He'll say, um, I'm not a doctor, so I can't prescribe things. I'm a professor. So I profess a lot of things. Um, I'm not even a professor, so I'm just professing things and I don't have a PhD in neurobiology. So that's great. But I just want to throw that out there. Um, Anything, you know, diet or hormone related, you know, I'm not trying to give medical advice. I am trying to, you know what? This is for entertainment purposes only. Uh, <laughs> this is purely for entertainment. I am just talking about what I think works. 
and that is all. But wow, we are about 40 plus minutes in now, and I'm slightly regretting the statement of the last fat loss podcast that you ever need to listen to because so many things are coming to my mind. I, I It's almost impossible not to talk about proper sleep. It's almost impossible not to talk about training, uh, talk about movement throughout the day, like going on walks. Um, there's nutrients that are important to talk about. There, there's so much. Um, maybe I should have called this the only calorie nutrition, I don't even know, the only calorie related fat loss episode you'll ever need to listen to because I think it will it will at least give you the principles. And again, back to the dollar bill example, um, if you understand this, you can sort of take this out in the rest of your life and and have a foundation and apply it how you apply it. So to wrap this thing up, let's go straight to application. You've got the understanding of calories and calorie balance you go to calorie calculator. That's just one place you can do it. I'm just trying to keep this simple here. Enter in your information, get a starting point. So now you've got a starting point and you know sort of based on your lifestyle, maybe it's 2,500 calories a day. Don't overthink it, pick a number and start there. Then understand how much protein you need to get and try to stick around, you know, I'm just gonna say my opinion, try to stick around, you know, 0.7 to 0.8 grams or more per pound, sorry, 0.7 to 0.8 grams per pound of body weight or more per day. So just get your phone out. If you weigh 150 pounds, type in 150 times 0.8 and go north from there. Modulate your protein based on your appetite or your goals. Fill in the rest of your calories with fats and carbs. Just understand you know, the pros and cons of each when it comes to specific kinds. And remember that you can create this deficit not just daily, but you can create it weekly. So if you, you, know, if you wanna fast a day or fast two days, I think it's Jimmy Kimmel that fasts like, you know, every Monday and every Thursday or something like that. He does a 5-2 where he eats five days out of the week and fasts two days. Find something that works for you and your lifestyle and understand that it will probably change over time and that's okay. And then just take some time to learn how to track your calories. It's probably going to be frustrating in the beginning. You're going to get frustrated when you look at MyFitnessPal and there's a couple dumb entries in there of things that say that a food is way more or less calories than it actually is. You might get frustrated weighing out food at first. There's going to be a little bit of strain, but like anything else, you will learn how to do it and you will get good at it. It will become second nature. You'll be able to teach all your friends. Um, This is a skill that is valuable that you can take with you for the rest of your life. And you'll just learn how to begin rationalizing things out in your head, portioning food um, mentally and you'll learn how to not overthink things as well because the goal of this is to be fuel for a better life and constantly overthinking is not very good fuel. So if you have any questions at all, please send them to me. Uh, If there were any parts of this that were useful and you feel like sharing this episode with someone, that's probably the greatest thing that you could do to help the podcast out would be to just share the episode, whether you share it on your story or you share it just by texting it to a friend or, um, and then any feedback too. Um, I'm trying, especially when it comes to interviews, I've mentioned this a million times, but this is all about trying to just, I want to make the best podcast in the world that, that you listen to. And it's like, wow, I'm actually getting something from this. And when I'm interviewing people, I'm not trying to just deliver this generic success story of, wow, look at this person who worked hard and believed in himself, and then he succeeded. 
now you can do that too. Like I'm trying to dig and find th the details, the granular things that are going to stick out to certain people and that are going to impact. And so the best way that I can learn how to do that is by hearing when people message me and say, hey, this one part of the podcast actually stuck out to me when you asked this or when John Toth said this. That stuff is extremely useful. So feedback um, on interviews and then feedback on these solo episodes. Hey, Stephen, that was all over the place. I couldn't track what you were saying or... I wish you would have given more detail on this or application, whatever it is. Um, feedback is valuable because I'm trying to make this, like I want to make this the best podcast. I'm not trying to just do a podcast because it's cute. I want it to be the best and I want it to be something that helps and drives real results and that is meaningful on planet earth. I don't want to just spew information for no reason. So that is my rant. Uh, God bless you for listening this far if you did. And again, message me with anything that I can do to help. That's why I'm doing this. And I'm just going to wrap up with, and, I, and I've said this before, when you do a podcast, especially something educational, it just can, it's really hard to not come across like you're trying to just profess your brilliance to the world. And, you know, I have all the answers and all of you are, are, coming to listen to me. I don't think that at all. Um, and I hope that it never comes across that way. I just am passionate about certain things and have learned a decent amount about them. And if they're helpful, I'm speaking them and ideally just extracting that information from awesome guests. So I just wanted to, you know, anytime, especially this is a solo episode where I'm doing all the talking. I just felt like finishing with that, but I have ranted for long enough. So thank you for your time, and I'm excited to see you all next week on the next episode.